0: Today's Z-Prime on the Grid is made possible by iTron.
1: I've got to sit down and think about really cool things that I've done, really cool people that I've met, the folks that have supported me over my, my career.
0: We, we do it uh, without really thinking about the purpose of it, so I hope the conversation is around sharing ideas that work for all of us, and maybe some things that
2: don't work. Would you be my mentor?
3: Hello, everyone. This is Erin Hardick, your co-host for Z-Prime on the Grid. I am at National Grid today in Boston, joined by three wonderful women in the energy industry, and we're going to be talking about um, the mentor-mentee relationship Thank you ladies for joining us today. I have with me Sherilyn Moore, Marcy Reed, and Angela O'Connor. Sherilyn, how are you today? I am doing fantastic, thank you, Erin. Marcy, how are you? I'm doing great, and welcome to National Grid. We're really happy to have you here. Thank you, and Angie, how are you?
1: I'm great, and uh, welcome to
3: Boston. So um, I'm going to ask each of you to kind of tell us about how you got your start in energy. And Sherilyn, I'll start with you here. How did you get into this industry? What brought you here?
2: Oh, great question. So I started my career in tech. I worked for Micron. I spent um, a few years there, and my next stop was at a utility closer to my hometown uh, to be close to my parents. And I went to work for what was Washington Water Power, now at Vista Utilities. And I found myself in my mid-20s managing customer service for the whole state of Washington. And that was a great experience, because I feel like I was thrown right in to the utility line of fire. So that was my first brush at utilities. I worked on marketing programs and electronic billing and energy efficiency as well. Um, and then there was this tech company within uh, the city of Spokane called ITRON. And it turns out they were a tech company focused on utilities. So I was getting my MBA at Gonzaga, go Zags. Um, I met somebody from ITRON, and uh, next thing you know, uh, that was the natural career path for me. Tech, married with utilities. And by the way, it's been 18 years now, so I don't know where the time's gone.
3: (laughs) And Marcy, can you tell us a bit about how you got your start? Sure, happy to. So I, uh, after college and after
0: grad school, actually went into public accounting. It was my passion, and I was deeply (laughs) excited deeply excited about working in public accounting. And my largest client was, in fact, National Grid, called something different at the time, New England Electric System, but it was my largest client. And after a couple years working at then Cooper's and Libram, New England Electric System offered me a job. That was 32 years ago. I thought I would come here for a couple years. And um, I've been you know, enjoying this space ever since and have had 14 jobs in 32 years, so it's, I'm never bored. It's a so, great place to be. I, I will say that's funny.
3: That. I come from a family of public accountants. My father's a CPA. My brother's a CPA. My undergrad is actually in accounting, but I realized quite quickly that I didn't want to be an accountant. You know who also comes from a, a public accounting background is Paula Gold Williams, out of CPS Energy. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. that's right, she yeah. does. Mm-hmm. And Angie, can you tell us about how you got your start?
1: My road was a little more windy. Um, (laughs) I was the world's oldest senior at UMass Boston. I went to college when my son was in um, middle school. We used to do our homework at the table together. Um, And from there, I graduated. I went to work for Rockport Public Schools. I taught school for part time for a year and worked in the superintendent's office. Um, And then someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, would you be a finance director for a congressional campaign? And I said, sure, so I took a leave of absence. Teaching was great, I enjoyed it, very challenging. And so I I was finance director, he got elected, but I had no interest in going to Washington with him. So I had met someone, I was also on the board of selectmen in the town of Rockport when I was a teacher, which was a nice interesting contrast for the students. Um, so I had met somebody that was on the board of a, an organization that was part of the Massachusetts Health and Educational Facilities Authority, you'll remember this, Marcy, um, MassHIFA. And when they restructured, part of the restructuring law allowed a consortium. And so that this group was uh, the financing authority for Harvard MIT, uh, Boston College, all your museums. Um, So there was a natural aggregation there, and so I got the job there. Now, I knew nothing about electricity, other than you flip the switch and you hope Mm -hmm. it comes on. Um, And so this gentleman that I had met when I was a selectman um, was on that board, so that started, and then I had met um, some other mutual friends, Paul Levy and Emmett Hayes, and they knew I wanted more in energy other than just the amazing contracts that, that uh, Power Options was doing, which was great helping people to save money. Um, and so then they introduced me to Rick Lord and Bob Rudick at Associated Industries in Massachusetts, warning him that I was naturally caffeinated. Um, and so in that, that I think, was my first real, I call that my first career energy job, um, was, was at AIM, and then from AIM I... Was made an offer I couldn't refuse to create the New England Power Generators Trade Association, so I did that for another five years. Um, that ended, and then I went to work for an interesting technology trade association. Right now, I'm only trade associations, um, called TechNet, which was the offices are out in California. It was a fascinating contrast between the utility industry and energy and the, and the tech space. Um, I also learned I was probably the oldest person there, but and, and from that, um, when Governor Charlie Baker won um, in 2014, and I was appointed by him as the chairman of the Department of Public Utilities in January of 2015, I served a full term, best job I ever had, but I decided not to do a second term. So here I
3: am talking to you.
1: Sorry that's a little long. <laughs> you can cut it. Well,
3: quite a few different paths, but here we all are standing around the same table. I want to get into what we're really planning on talking about today, the meat of this conversation. Some of the relationships you've built over the years, really in terms of mentors and hopefully mentees. Um, So for me, I mean, I'm just a few years out of school. I wasn't expecting to be in energy, but when I found the folks at Z-Prime, um, my boss quickly also became my mentor. Her name is Christine Richards. She's no longer at Z-Prime, but she I still Christine. is. Christine. You do know Christine. I do. And, and she still is very much a mentor to me and has really helped you know, me understand this industry, but also kind of navigate my way and, and grow as a professional. Marcy, you're directly across the table from me. Mm-hmm. I'm looking straight at you. Is there anyone who comes to mind when you think about somebody who really helped shape your career or you looked at as a mentor when you first started? Actually,
0: there is, and I was a 25-year-old whippersnapper coming out of public accounting, and I happened to uh, become friends with the treasurer at the time of New England Electric, um, a 55-year-old white guy Mm -hmm. to this day is one of my best friends. And for whatever reason, he sort of took me under his wing, and I looked to him then and to this day look to him for advice around more not necessarily technical advice but you know how to navigate situations um, how to um, work on some of the softer sides that I absolutely admittedly needed work on and so he he was a great source of advice and strength for me and which early taught me that a mentor doesn't have to be someone who looks just like you mm-hmm. and um, and though I today have most mentees, most are women, uh, I still think about John as my very first, very powerful mentor.
3: And Sherylyn, do you have somebody who comes to mind when you think about maybe that first mentor that helped you find your way a bit?
2: Uh, absolutely, um, I, I started ITRON in late 2001, and the CEO at the time was Leroy Nosbaum, and he is still um, a, a very favored person, in the, the halls of, all the halls uh, of ITRON. And early on, he saw something in me I didn't even see in myself. And he saw leadership quality and a strength. And he nurtured that a little bit. Some of it would be the things he would tell me, say, this is this is what you have potential for, kid, kiddo. Um, and he had a, a very strong strength in how he led. Um, he could make decisions, he could be firm, he could be tough, and he had the heart that was the size of Texas. So um, I learned a lot from him. I learned sometimes it's better to make a decision and write the ship later um, than it is to get stuck in an analysis paralysis, second guessing yourself. So he taught me to trust my instincts. Uh, and he also uh, taught me what it's like to, to really step up and be willing to lead and, and have that confidence. So um, to this day, he and I are still very good friends. and. Um, we make time to see each other and he's been retired for years now, but um I still consider him the strongest, most influential mentor that I had in my career.
3: Wow, that's great. That's great. Angie, what about you?
2: I ha- I would have to say, especially as, as I launched
1: my energy career, it would have to be Bob Ruddick from Associated Industries of Massachusetts, because I went in there, and I really didn't have a lot of experience, and he just used to say to me, you know, you can do this, and so supportive, and I remember a, a silly story that he said, I went to my first rate case, and they can be very painful and long, And he said, and I said, but Bob, I'm not a lawyer, and he said, it doesn't matter, you just go and let it wash over you just go there and sit and listen and let it wash over you and he was so right you know and and it's it's funny because it was a a a gas rate case in 2001 and uh, there i was sitting on the bench in 2018 for the same gas company for their second rate case and the lawyer is still the same and, and we reminisced about it and we laughed about it but bob really believed in me and i think After I left that job, to me it was, I want to be somebody's Bob Ruddick. I want someone to see something in me that maybe I didn't even see in myself And, and nurture that along because he gave me a wide berth to do. Because remember, we're now just in restructuring because I started working at AIM in 2001. So how do you help the customers? How do you provide value to the membership? And those were the challenges. He didn't define the road. He just, we knew what the challenges were. So we did some great meetings uh, in partnership with National Grid and the other utilities to educate customers about choice. Um, so I would have to say, Bob Redick, there's a number of women over the years now that have been tremendous mentors that are probably going to be mm-hmm. familiar to both of you. Nora Brownell, um, mm-hmm. Sue Dean Kelly, uh, most recently, you know, Cheryl LaFleur with her mm-hmm. phenomenal mm-hmm. sense yeah. of humor. Um, so and, and I and I still am very very good friends with all those women and talk frequently and um, I look at Anne George at ISO New England she gets she it gets put in some tough spots and but she's able to be respect you know respect people mm-hmm. respect the differences mm-hmm. to speak with you know tremendous intellect and 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 you know, still be respectful, and you can disagree without being disagreeable. So I admire that quality as well.
2: So much to learn, and yeah. we never stop learning or modeling ourselves after people we respect, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. You know, one of the
0: things you both said, which is so true, Aaron, a mentor often sees something in you that you don't see yourself, yeah. and just helps bring it out, mm-hmm. and I find that mm-hmm. to be super powerful. Yeah. And it's also, particularly if you're mentoring a young person, mm-hmm. or you are the young person being mentored, it's a so it's a source of confidence and strength yes. too.
3: Yes, very John much did that so.
0: for me, as you two have mm-hmm. said.
3: I know Sherlyn and Marcy or and Angie. You both mentioned a few people that you still today you know foster those relationships. Consider mm-hmm. mentors. Marcy, is there anyone for you today that you really think you know? This is somebody I look to or really influences how I do things.
0: Certainly, John, the person I spoke mm-hmm. about, still to this day, we we see each other uh, a few times a year. Another person that I look to uh, as a mentor is one of our prior CEOs, Steve Holiday, who was part of a, a buddy system that I had when mm-hmm. when I was living in the UK. He and I were actually in a program together, and he was my assigned mentor. Mm-hmm. And after that, it just became a friendship and obviously a, a work relationship that was uh, really mutually beneficial. I think we probably, in that case, helped to mentor each other when That's you cool. become more senior in your career, sometimes peer mentoring is as important as uh, how, generational mentoring. How,
1: how valuable was that to you, if it's okay if I ask a question, because I didn't know that's how National Grid did things. I know that folks go over there and they'd be like, I think, a two-year stint. How valuable was it
0: for you to have Steve Holiday there? Did you know each other beforehand? It was really valuable to have Steve Holiday as a mentor. I didn't go over to be mentored. I went over in a job assignment. Mm-hmm. As part of that, I joined a development program, and was um, paired with Steve. Obviously, it, it was a great experience for me. He not he wasn't the CEO at the time, but became the CEO. Uh, today, I just uh, mm. we're be- we're very good friends, and he and I still chat about what is uh, what does the rest of my career look like. You know, you get to the mm. point where you start thinking about mm-hmm. the next adventure, yeah. and he's in that next adventure. Wow. So I'm learning through him from his awesome. experience.
3: I have a very vivid memory of one of, I guess, you'd call it like a a, a growth point for me in my career. I'm sitting here hosting this podcast. We do a lot of film and video work and talking to people. Um, When I first started, I really wasn't that social. I mean, the idea of public speaking was terrifying to me. And one of my jobs as a research analyst was to present research findings to groups of people. And Christine was taking me to this conference for the first time, and I was just absolutely terrified. I was going over my notes over and over and over. I was like, I have to know everything for this presentation. And she looked at me before, and she said, you know, you're prepared. I know you're prepared. And if somebody asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, you just tell them, I don't know. It's okay for you to say, you know, I don't know. And I think, you know, that really stands out to me, and it's really helped me in my career, you know, feeling confident in myself, even when maybe I... I I don't, but I just need to tell myself, okay, you can do this. So my question is, is there a specific memory or a story that each of you could tell kind of one of those defining moments like that and it just really sticks out to you that maybe your mentor helped you through? Angie? I'd have to say the,
1: the, the, the rate case situation that I, he kind of, you know I won't say threw me in, but that I sat in because I didn't understand what you know, depreciation and some of the technical aspects of, of a utility rate case, and then I started. He gave me the leeway to go to NEPOOL, and I started to pull, you know, aim in a direction to get much more actively involved because of the amounts of money that were, you know, that w- was happening in a wholesale markets. So you need to understand what that is and help the membership understand that. And I think him giving me just the freedom and the leeway. Our offices were next to each other, and I, I tend to talk loud enough so he could hear me kind of talking to membership and kind of doing what I was doing. So he just gave me that that freedom to really look and explore what we're, where we could find the most value for the AIM membership, especially in the early stages of restructuring. Um, so
2: I, I, that is probably what sticks out to me. Sounds like he had confidence and he threw you in too. He did. That's, yeah. yeah.
1: And that's, I think, that's, that's so okay. important. Mm-hmm. And I'll, you know to your point, I think one of the most important things that I've that has stayed with me in my career—it's all about relationships, but it's also about knowing what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So you have to be yes. willing to say that if you don't know something, and then find someone that does mm-hmm. and learn it. And yeah. learn it yeah. exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And I—I I, I tell young people when I um, when they you know ask to go for coffee or just have a conversation—and you must get this all the time too, Marcy—you know you have to know what you don't know mm-hmm. um, and, be, and be open yep. to learning about it and asking about We're it. we so. human. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yep.
3: Marcy, do you have a story that comes to mind? One quickly, and uh, this is actually a different
0: gentleman, um, but early in my career, I was on a, on a project team. Uh, just a, don't even I remember, it, does, it doesn't really matter what it was, but it was a small little project and they needed an accountant. So they asked me to, to join the team And the CEO, John Rowe, who uh, a lot of folks in the industry know, um, I I caught his eye, I guess. And he said to me later, he took me aside and he said, Marcy, you have no idea what we do for business. And guess what, he was right. (laughs) I did all my (laughs) and credits absolutely perfectly, (laughs) but I had no idea what the company really did. Um, And so he said, I'm going to send you to one of our locations, and you're going to do a job in the customer department. And he scared the heck out of me. But he he knew that that was right for my development at the time. As we were talking earlier, people see things in you that you yep. might not see. He yep. knew I needed to get out of the accounting department. And wow. so, That's awesome. though it wasn't a piece of advice, in his case, it was something that he actually did to mm-hmm. my career. And I will say that was... That was uh, perfect example of something I try to do now, which is often move people. When they start getting comfortable, it's time to get out and move them around uh, to help them develop. And I have to
1: say, because John Rowe, to those of us that are energy geeks in the Northeast, is like, uh, has rock star status. At Mm -hmm. least I always just admired, because he was part of, one of the architects of restructuring and had a very strong personality. I didn't have the privilege of meeting him, but um, so just, he was really an an amazing guy. But, Very cool. but your point about getting young people and giving them that opportunity, I mean, that to me was the best part of being at the department. You see some young talent in there. They're buried in a cubicle you know, as a, as a lawyer for one of the divisions. And the governor really wanted to regulate um, Uber and Lyft. And we were tapped to do that. No state in the country had done that. That kind of gets lost in the noise. And so there was a lawyer that sat up on the, on the fifth floor and he was really smart, and so he he started to get involved when we were drafting the legislation with the governor's office, and um, and then when we were tasked with, well, so we'll create a division. We can't base it on anything, but, you know, he was, I, I trusted him, and I knew when the governor asked me to do that, if I could count on somebody, and it was this young man, and he's now cool. chief of staff at the department, but cool. there's and lots of those kind of stories, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. and. Uh, a young woman and in fact I had two young women I brought out to California when I first got appointed to talk about rate design if we're gonna do something different and they were young and hungry and super smart you stole one of them actually Marcy. <laughs> um, that is she's here now and then the other one is now head of our rates and revenue requirement at the department but to watch a young person that is just you know so excited and passionate it. about an industry yeah, you can see in true talent true talent yeah, and the, both it. of them and I'm sure the other one is very successful here at National Guard looking at creative ways to solve problems too. So that's like the best part of the job.
3: And so. we'll get into that conversation as you all, as mentors, but Sherilyn, I want to hear, do you oh, have a sorry. story about, you know, one of those defining moments that really sticks out to you?
2: Well, I, I have many defining moments where I found myself where I was tapped or put myself in a position to go to that next job. And Marcy reminded me of that. When you put yourself out of that comfort zone, it is a really healthy thing. Because every time you take on a new position, you learn something new Mm -hmm. and you test yourself. And repeatedly through my career, some of those defining moments were the first time I'd take a new role and I had to do what you did, which is you study and you learn because you want to be successful. And so I think those moments where I was pushed to go to that next level, or given that opportunity and had the advice that said go for it um were, were really valuable right. in what i did so you know I, I think that's what my mentor did for me is pushed me to that next job over and over even at times where at one point he tapped me to run all of our gl- global corporate marketing and i said i'm a product person um i'm a business person and i, I did it and i tell you what i immersed myself and uh, it was a valuable experience and then i I left again, but um, I think being willing to take that other step and put yourself in an uncomfortable position was really good advice.
3: I have one more question I want to ask about, you know, finding a mentor, having a mentor, and I have to credit my colleague Erin O'Tian. As I was, you know, thinking of some of the questions to ask you ladies today, I sent them to her, and she said, "Do you feel like anything's missing here?" And she said, "The one question that I'd really like to have them answer is, what is your advice for finding a mentor?" When you're not new, this young, new um, person in the industry, I've been in the industry for 10, 15 years and I'm still looking for a mentor. Do you have any advice for the people who, you know, they're not that recent college grad, but they're still looking for somebody to help, you know, you know build their industry knowledge, foster those relationships? Do you have any advice for those people?
0: I, I do. So I think that by the time you're 10, 12 years into your career, you do start to know who you are and you also know who you're not and Mm so my advice would be figure out Mm -hmm. those gaps and find someone who is that Mm -hmm. don't find someone who's just like you because that won't really work and so i think that Mm -hmm. if you have you know you think you have a gap in networking or or confidence or a specific technical area go find someone Mm -hmm. who who you admire in that space and and ask and and ask knock on the door stick out your hand say hi i'm marcy and i'd like you to be my mentor please
1: can i learn
2: can i learn from you yeah
1: Yeah. yeah networking 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 you know talking to as many people as you can and i think that's also to marcy's point of finding out not somebody that's like you but somebody that is who you might want to be like more like and and talking to people and you know as you look in in my sort of windy career you thread what I've done and, and actually doing this I, gave me a chance to reflect on it last night, um, and it's all about those relationships. Yeah. It really is, and 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 they grow stronger and um, and shift to, and, as you go through your you know individual careers. But it's yeah. about talking to as many people as you can. Um, I have never said no when someone said, gee, you know, I left this job or I'm thinking of leaving this job. You know, can you grab a cup of coffee? How many times have you done that, Marcy? All the time. Yeah, I All mean, that's, that's, what, that's how it starts. And you get more and more confidence in talking and having a conversation with some of these young people and connecting them. You know, and then, you know, there's other there are different venues to do that. But I think it's being able to talk comfortably to somebody that you've never met. I've been accused of talking to doorknobs myself, so you know it's you have to have a comfort zone in doing that, and that isn't necessarily for everybody. But I think it's important, and I think it's maybe even more important for women in some ways because I think we have to we have to be
2: smarter and work harder. Um, I know that. You know, I think you're absolutely right. I. one of the programs I had the opportunity to, to do was a Northwestern program, a year-long women in executive leadership it's program. program. Wow. It's a great program. It's a great program. And I went into it on the, the first day thinking, I love continuous education. I'm a life learner. But the fact that I'm a woman a woman doesn't really play into this. But for what it's worth, I'll, you know, I'll go into it open-minded. But you know, that I'm a woman isn't any different than if I were a man. So I went in with that premise. And that first two hours, I realized, oh my gosh, I am missing the point, we are different as women. And I learned a lot of differences, and it doesn't mean it's bad, it's just the self-awareness, which is Mm -hmm. I think Marcy's point, is being self-aware. And one of the the lessons I learned, which ties to your point, absolutely, is it is a documented um, fact that women aren't as good at networking because we prioritize putting our nose down and doing work mm-hmm. or taking care of family, or, and men are yep. saying, I'm gonna go grab the coffee, I'm gonna call the guy I know, I know a guy. And as women, statistically, it's never all, we're maybe not as good at that. So when you brought up being really good at networking and you brought up self-awareness, I think that is really, really strong advice. That's the heart and soul. Absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like a great program. Was, I think I read about it too. Fantastic.
3: So let's talk about your roles as mentors now. What is it, what is it like being in the role as a, a mentor, Angie? I think it's, it's when you see somebody, and again,
1: I, I really look at the experience I had in my four years working for the state because there's so many smart young people that, that work there. And they're buried. They're buried, and this is what they do. And, and this is, you know, and it's that kind of square box. Mm-hmm. And this is all they do. Um, and one of the things that was important to me is we had two different divisions that were very siloed, and you know one was sort of the sexier one, federal and regional affairs, and that you know was more interesting, and so then you take that and you fold that into um, another division, which we did in the electric power division, and so that it allowed lots of different people to touch some of these things and to experience it, so to go to some of these meetings. And it's a whole different side of the industry. Um, and it it, it it changes how they look at it. Um, I think one of the programs, and I think it was National Grid, did it first with us, with the department, is we wanted to take people, staff, out of the agency and out into the field. Mm-hmm. How do you spot, remember that? How do you spot a gas leak? So we, uh, how do you, deal with a downed wire, what happens, what actually, and National Grid had a great problem, Eversource did as well, but the first one we did here, and it was jaw-dropping for staff, because they write these orders, but they have no idea what, actuality how you approach a downed wire so the branch hits how long does that it was I don't get all technical on you but that was that was jaw-dropping for me and that was a real eye-opening so experience, experience that something. these young people and it said I and I remember saying to the utilities I said I don't want suits there I want people with the dirt under their fingernails the guys that are out there in the field doing the work so staff can ask them right, right. and the interaction was fantastic it you know, picture's worth great. a thousand words. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Very educational for everybody,
0: myself included.
3: Marcy, what do you enjoy being in, about being in this mentor role? Well, I'll
0: tell you one of my most gratifying uh, experiences. It was the first time one of the women I was mentoring got promoted in mm-hmm. her function. She, she wasn't in my line, of um, in my functional line. She had, we had talked for a long time about different things she was working on and she was putting them into play and she got promoted. And I was the happiest mama you ever saw. It's as if it was a child of my own. Um, And it was just proof that there is something behind creating relationships and, um, you know, giving these folks advice sometimes, We've been around the block now, so we know a few <laughs> things. And mm-hmm. to be able to share those with our younger selves, or even if they don't have to be new career, they can be you know, mid-career. Just watching someone like that excel for me was fantastic. And so the best part about mentoring for me is,
2: is watching their growth and innovation and all of that. Well, I, I completely agree, is watching you know, that your mentories succeed is so rewarding. Um, I remember when I first started being asked, would you be my mentor? It was such an honor. You know, it was that, that early, it probably started 10 years ago. Um, and now that part of it is, you know, I take it as more of a serious part of the role I have as a senior leader in the company. But I remember those first, would you mentor me? And how that felt, and it was such an honor, just such an honor. Um, but the other rewarding experience I've had is I have set up executive women's networks in the in the community that I live, um, and I hope that I'm modeling uh, within the company that we, we can we can play an active role in helping each other. And a group of younger women um, within iTron. Um, uh, created a women's networking group as a grassroots effort cool. in the Liberty Lake office and when they did that and they kept coming to me to say Okay, this is what we're doing. What do you think? So they used me as a bit of a sponsor. I still get goose, awesome. goosebumps because I know They are modeling themselves after something that they know I think is really important and they're doing it and they're making a difference And so I'm I'm just so proud of that that group that's doing that. That's cool.
3: That kind of actually leads me into my next question, which is a, a follow-up to the one I just asked, which what it, what excites you about the people that you are mentoring? You know, you mentioned this grassroots effort. Angie, Marcy, is there anything that comes to mind when you just think about the, these relationships that you have and you're like, man, like I'm really looking forward to see what happens there, how that works out?
0: Well, for me, it may be a surprise to all of you, but I don't want to do my job forever. <laughs> I want to find the next person who is the end in sight. Is, is the end in sight? For the record, yeah. I love my job, um, but there will always be someone else to do it. And so, to see uh, younger people, men or yeah. women, who come in and ask, "Can I? Would you mentor me?" And mm-hmm. this is the specific thing I'm looking mm-hmm. at. Working with them and helping them excel in those mm-hmm. areas will only be good for the company. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, of course, it's good for the people, but it's good for the company too. Yes. And particularly as we enter this, you know, clean energy transition, the world has changed around us. You need more innovation. You need to put yourself in the customer's shoes. There are all these things that are real for these mentees mm-hmm. now. That as when I was earlier mm-hmm. in my career, it wasn't even a concept. So right that's true. Uh, it's it's a, an exciting time. We were talking about this earlier,
1: and I was the, c- the comparison of the utility industry 20 years ago, um, or I'll say 18 years ago, was mm-hmm. a very clearly defined box. You stayed within those four corners. Um, in my brief tenure at TechNet, and go walking into Google and in Microsoft's offices in Kendall Square, and like kind of blew my mind because they think the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And now we're in that transition. So yeah. I think it's as important to understand what was. So you understand some of that, that mindset that is still exists within these companies, and how do you transition that? And I mean, you know, whether it's through rate design, just a different way of thinking, because you're going to shift a, an entire business model
2: to accomplish what we need to mm-hmm. accomplish. Um, and and, that, I, and th- I think as women, we play a really important role mm-hmm. in helping those kind of... Would you say mindset or right. cultural right. transitions? Right. right? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. we offer real value that complements what our male colleagues do, yeah. um, and I think that's pretty cool because we to, can play a real to key role. To drive
1: towards consensus, this was these were conversations yeah. I think I had started uh, with Nora Brownell and Suding when they were both on the commission and it makes me think a little bit cuz women sometimes men it's just hard charging but women when you're when and you do happen so many things in this in this management. arena and other arenas you need to say okay where do we agree let's start there and then you start to work your way out and you start to bring in more people and you drive that towards consensus and it seems to me p- that we women, women have that. a real talent at that in and convening and, and, and helping people to, mm-hmm. you know, it, it isn't going to be perfect when you're done, but at least if you can reach consensus on the important parts, you find there's a starting point, mm-hmm. you know. For sure, I think that's also something that's really valuable that you, comes with time.
3: You've all talked about how this industry is just undergoing just immense amounts of change. You know, you hear a lot of people talk about the 3Ds, decentralization, decarbonization, digitalization. What are some of the challenges that you are excited to see this next generation tackle?
0: All of that All and of more, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you just put it out there, Aaron. the the utility, so I'll speak for myself, the utility right now will play a totally different role in customers lives than we did 20 years ago. So we need to open up our networks so that people from the outside can come in and play. Yeah. Whether it's a technical solution, it's about what they drive, what's on their roof, the data they get on their iPhone, mm-hmm. all of that is so different. Mm-hmm. And so people who want to join an exciting place and think about, oh, I'm gonna go to Google or Microsoft, actually, they should consider going to a utility. Yeah. And I can tell you, um, all newcomers here uh, will tell you they they find something when they get into this business that is even more exciting than they thought they would find, and you know we're not we're saving the planet, we're helping society, we're creating solutions to problems that are immense, and if that's the kind of thing that you're looking for, then that's why you need to be in this space.
3: I have. I mean, I have so many conversations with my friends and they're, you know, a lot, I still have a lot of friends graduating college, recently out of college, looking for jobs and they're, you know, really, you know, tech savvy and they have this idea of, the kind of job that they want to have, and I'll start asking them, you know, like, what are you interested in? What kind of things excite you? And they'll say, you know, sustainability and things like that, Mm -hmm. but technology, I have a lot of friends who do, you know, user-centered design, what's it like to interact with Mm -hmm. a piece of technology? And I'm like, well, you can do that in the energy space, Mm -hmm. and they're like, how, why? How does that work? I think that there is still, you know, Mm -hmm. that message that needs to be put out there, that Mm -hmm. there is a very big need for different skills than traditionally existed within the industry and communicating that message to excite other people Mm -hmm. to get in and start solving these challenges. I mean, we we do a lot of work around electric vehicles, and my friends are like, how do you how do you get to drive a Tesla around for work? And I'm like, well, you have to think about how electric vehicles impact the electric grid, which impact the utility, and it's just kind of, you know, continuing to educate people and excite them right. about solving these challenges, and I still think there's a lot of room yes. to, to kind of keep pushing that message. Totally.
2: When, one of the things at, um, that was a passion project for me
3: was, oh. um,
2: we geared our money that we'd had previously in philanthropy and we geared it um, toward you know, how do we create more of an impact. And so we researched you know, our leadership internally and researched where the needs were. And it was really, how do we engage the next generation that are in high school or emerging to want to get involved in our industry? So Marcy inspired. Um, me to tell this story, and it was around how can we educate in energy and water. So we partnered with uh, UT Austin and the the Weber Energy Institute to create a resourceful (coughs) curriculum that meets the needs of the computer science curriculum in high school, and it's digital and it's sexy, if I can say that, curriculum to say, you want to help save the world? You want to save the planet? Here's the emerging issues our planet is facing, and it is all about uh, energy and water and how we better manage those resources. And so that curriculum is now available. It's it's free, it's on Apple, and we work with, you know, whether it's in the communities that we're working with or our utilities or our cities, to say you can you can take this curriculum and work within your, your city. So I'm a huge advocate that says get people involved in our industry. This is the place to be if you want to innovate and have a purpose to what you do right. um, it's pretty cool yeah. very cool could not agree more
3: Percy it sounds like you guys do a lot of work trying to, to educate can you talk a little bit about that we do actually very similar to Sherilyn's
0: um, experience with with curriculum, we have built curriculum in well grade school, which is really just to get kids interested yeah. in the, co- the concept of climate. We go mm-hmm. in and we talk to third graders about clouds mm-hmm. and sun. Oh, and cool. we let them put on the big, huge rubber gloves mm-hmm. that linemen wear and, and it's fun, awesome. but we're just introducing them to the environment as you then go through high school and obviously then into college or uh, community college. We have certificate mm-hmm. programs. We help to get uh, people involved in so that they can feel confident entering the energy industry. On the, on the more elaborate uh, path we have relationships with MIT and WPI and you know very technical institutions where we get data scientists to come out. So we have a whole cool. department of data scientists that wasn't a department a few short years ago. <laughs> right. you know our, our cyber work that we do, that is not necessarily mm. utility specific, but it's a huge mm. aspect mm. of running a safe reliable network. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of education that we put push mm. out and um, all probably a little bit selfishly to make sure that we get that great the workforce, workforce yeah. and coming to National Grid.
3: I do want to <coughs> ask um, about kind of like soft skills. You, mm. I think you've all mentioned how you know, different it can be for women and men. What do you think are some of those soft skills that you know, some of you tell your mentores that they need to, to cultivate and work on in order to you know, be successful in their career? Sherilyn, do you want to start?
2: Well, I'm gonna recap, I think, some of the themes that we've already hit on. Um, Confidence, and whether you find it innately or you you help somebody, somebody helps you bring that out in yourself. It's self-awareness, so how do I, you know, if I have a technical gap and maybe finance isn't my strong point, how do I hone up on that and know uh, where to go or who do I ask for help? Mm -hmm. And then we talked about networking and recognizing the power of our network. Um, If I have a question of potentially policy in Massachusetts, maybe I know where I should be calling. Um, uh, So I think building that network and uh, peer network is really important. So I I think those are just some of the themes we talked about that's to me, I think are really important qualities.
1: I agree with that too, because we have really touched on that. Um, It's about, again, it deserves repeating the relationships. Never burn a bridge because you never know when that person can come back around again. I think there were a few people probably surprised when I was appointed by Governor Baker, which <laughs> was not a bad thing, it was a good thing. Um, awesome. But just to remind people that it is about the people that you meet, the people oh, that you so talk true. to, so and, and, and that networking, and um, mm-hmm. and it's in those relationships that will be critical. But really, I, I think, and, and again, I don't know if it's is more for women or it's. it seems to me that it is, but. That those, re- those relationships stay for a long time mm-hmm. and provide value and support throughout your life, yeah. you know? Um, I think it's, it's really important. And I think young, young, particularly young women, really need to understand that and the value of that. They might not see it right away. I think I probably see it more now in, in, in my stage of my mm-hmm. life than I probably, I'm sure, than I did 10 or 15 right.
2: years ago. Right. And it's relationships that aren't just people like you that you like to go out and have a happy no. hour with. So it is that, that deliberate, you know, building out your right. network with, right. with real relationships. I think uh, networking and relationships are hugely important mm-hmm.
0: and in addition to that, I would add to the list, Erin, you know, how to show up mm-hmm. and how to be uh, effective in a meeting. Sit at the table, mm-hmm. sit up, lean in, You know, some of these things are totally cliche, but ask the question that you have in your mind, even if you think it's stupid, because you know everyone else Mm -hmm. has it. How many times have we heard that? It's true. It is true. ask the question. And so just these soft things about, that have everything to do with how you present, your, your level of confidence, you know, how you even ask a question.
1: Project Dar, your
2: voice. Just project your voice. You and walk so, into that room, yes. and I
1: sit, I, and I still do it. I sit, well, if there's space at the head of the table, that's where I sit.
2: Mm-hmm. There you go.
1: Don't
2: so. ever take that seat at the back, on the uh-uh. side of the table, if there's a right. spot at the table. Right.
3: Well, I certainly Great appreciate advice. that, yeah. because it's definitely, these are things that I'm still learning mm-hmm. to work on myself. Um, my next question is, do you do you feel like you have an obligation to... Maybe convince or, you know, articulate to the folks that you are mentoring that they need to become mentors. Why is it important for people to continue to mentor others? Pay it forward. Yeah, pay, pay it, it forward. Model, model it, and it'll, some of that comes naturally.
0: I also think that no one person knows everything.
2: Mm-hmm. We are always
0: learning. You mentioned always. being a lifelong yes. learner earlier, and. It's true, so whether you're mentoring someone who is earlier in their career than you, or it's a peer mentoring relationship, Mm -hmm. there's so much we can Mm -hmm. uh, teach each other. So I I do see it, as a senior person in this organization, I do see it as my obligation to mentor specifically young women. Mm -hmm. And I take that very seriously, and and I know that all the senior women in this company do. And for, um, I just lost the thought
2: of what I was gonna say to you. That's being a senior moment. (laughs) There was was another point of that, so just let it go. It'll come back. uh, And I will build on that, Marcy, because there's this moment when you recognize, I have a responsibility to mentor. This isn't a, oh, isn't that nice? It's a, at the level that I am in my company, I have that responsibility. Right. And I take that really seriously and I heard that from you. And that's how I feel is, yes, I enjoy it. Yes, it's the right thing to do, but I, it's a sense of responsibility. And right?
1: it's rewarding. And it's so rewarding. When you see if they're,
2: you know, whether it's a small point as part of the discussion
1: and trying to help somebody to understand mm-hmm. they're feeling a barrier or some kind of a roadblock mm-hmm. and something that you say, or a question that you ask them, or, you know, you share a story with them, and it helps them to, a sort of a light goes off, and you can see that, and you can feel that. It feels that good. It feels really good, it does. and it's rewarding, it does. Um, and I think it's really important to do. It is, and, and as Marcy had said earlier, too, um, and, and yeah. you did, it benefits the companies that you're working for, yeah. but it also, it, it benefits it benefits yeah you know it benefits you by feeling that that way and then the person that 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 also benefits from that and whatever their career aspirations are age does
2: bring wisdom it does and you, don't you just wish you knew 20 years ago yeah. what you know now yeah. the things that you thought were so important at one point yeah. you get to the point where you say they're really not you, you, you said take it. a breath take a breath and recognize it's about people so yes it's always about people it's always about people and i think that becomes clearer and clearer um, later in our career
0: i think another message that i try to impart on people who i mentor is just life right so get your priorities right Mm -hmm. after all coming to work every day at national grid as much as i love it it's a job Mm -hmm. what really matters in my life my husband and my two kids my family Mm -hmm. and making sure that we are you know having a a healthy happy purpose-led uh, life, for me, work happens to be part of that. But sometimes you run into, particularly kids who are so obsessed and they're stressed out, and therefore they're not doing a good job. To help teach them, it's you know, look it at the big picture. Right? Let's get some so perspective
2: true. here. So true.
3: I think we've you know touched on this next question quite a bit throughout this whole conversation. But we're wrapping up, and I think this is really a good way to wrap up. What advice do you have for women? entering the industry
1: there could not be a more exciting time to be in an industry because you're it's it is in a transformation that it, it, the, the, probably the largest transformation mm-hmm. from top to bottom and soup to nuts. So people that are, you, you talked about it earlier with technology, that's just a piece of it. But understanding how you're going to shift that, how you're going to integrate the technology. So is the utility of the future simply a platform that everything is built off of? So all, it, it, is, it is such a, a big change. It's an exciting time. To, to be in it. So to encourage women to do that and to talk to people, talk to everybody that you can talk to, to understand what their perspective is. I mean, I think one of the valuable things in my career has been that you have to hear, and I also learned this at AIM and from other people, you have to hear all the different sides. Mm-hmm. So you'll have very diverse groups, very different opinions. But in order to really come up with mm-hmm. You know, I'll say, as a regulator, you're looking to take, a, you know, go in a certain policy direction. But you have to hear what everybody says. You have to understand the position, even if you don't agree with it. So right. be open. Oh, you don't, you, you, your mind should always be open to listen and understand. And you know, my opinion has changed many times. I walk into something, and I think this is the direction, and by the time I'm done, it's, it's different. So encourage people to, women in particular, to be really open and honest with themselves mm-hmm. and listen to what they're hearing. Mm-hmm. And of course, my, my son reminds me, I need to be a better active listener.
0: Mm-hmm. I would say, be yourself. Don't try to be someone you're not. Um, I certainly did when I was younger. Uh, today, Marcy shows up to work. You What you see is what you get. Uh, it's a heck of a lot easier that way. You don't have to put on any sort of effort, it just bring me to work, and I would tell anybody that. The other thing I would say is, don't be afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. That didn't used to be the case here, and maybe in lots of companies, but if you fail today, we'll give you brownie points. As long as you take that and say, okay, why did it fail? What can I learn? Mm-hmm. So I'd say be yourself, be okay with failing, mm-hmm. definitely speak point. up, show up, speak up, stand up for yourself. And. Uh, Rock
2: on, because this is an awesome place to, awesome industry to be in right now. Yeah, awesome advice all the way around. Um, I think it's also don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to assert yourself. I love show up. I love seeking opinions all the way around and and having that full point of view. Um, But I think it's it's courage and confidence um, and asking for help.
3: I had one more question that came to mind, and we'll wrap up after this, because I think it was something you talked about, Marcy. I'd imagine you know, there are times that you definitely faced adversity, and you were down, and you were stressed, and you just kind of want to say, all right, I'm out. I'm, I'm giving up. How do you overcome those moments? What do you do to you know, bring yourself back together and say, you know, I can do this?
0: I microwave popcorn, <laughs> and I eat the entire bag by myself. <laughs> I sit on my couch and I watch like NCSI or whatever Brain whatever dead it's TV called. For a while. Brain Dead TV <laughs> mm-hmm. and and I I usually find that after a few hours and you know you know shake myself off and stand back up I'm fine. And maybe it's because mentors have taught me, Marcy, you're you're okay. You got this. Yes. But it's okay yeah. to have to you know cower on the couch with your popcorn at, at night sometimes. You yeah. yeah, give I'm, myself
2: 24 hours. Yeah. And I'm a Popcorn, night processor. ice cream. Yeah, I'm a night processor, so I've got to work it all out in my head at night. And thankfully, that doesn't happen very often because I also need sleep. <laughs> but I have to process it, and I, I have to overanalyze it, and then I put it in its right perspective. Right. And there's never any reason to give up. Right. Right? There never is, because if you have confidence in yourself, you're doing the right things, your life is balanced. This is whatever happened that day is probably nonsense. Plus, remember. So figure keep- it out.
0: People are watching you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if you don't shake yourself off yep. and stand back up, that's not just bad for you, but it's bad for everyone who's watching you. It's so that's true. a very
2: important point. I know. I'm in a time of crisis, yeah. s- especially. It's such a good point. One one of the things I've been conscious as something I want to continue to get better at is bringing that sense of calm confidence. Well, in, in the of crisis or Mm -hmm. you know drama or urgency whatever that might be um you know as the senior leader it's like I want to be that voice of confidence I want to I want to be that rock and um, I don't want to be caught up in the moment and and so that's something I know I'm working on life learning
3: yeah well that those are all my questions is there anything we're missing do you guys have any questions for each other we do have a few more minutes if would you be my mentors (laughs) i was just gonna say i just learned a lot in this conversation by the way you you two are two very impressive i mean
2: awesome
0: honest fact i actually do look to angie a a lot for advice i think we probably look to each other we have done that over the over the many years we've known each other and all our different i want to join the careers (laughs) we have looked to each other for guidance and help and it's been awesome
1: it's nice it's Because even after you leave a job, those relationships mm. are still there. Absolutely. I pick up the phone and, you know, I mean, that's, that's, and that's, that's just what's wonderful about it, too. Mm. And I think it is so valuable.
2: Absolutely. Um, and I
1: appreciate it every day. Um, one of the struggles sometimes is, a, and you really articulated it well, Marcy, is that work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I created the Trade Association and one of the members had said to me, it's not your baby, it's a job. And I, at that time, I needed someone to tell me that Mm -hmm. because you get, you find yourself so immersed Mm -hmm. and, you know, how do you like pull that back? But it's nice that you can pick up the phone and, you know, there's a, that scene in that movie with uh, Nicholas Cage and Cher and she slaps him and says, snap out of it. Because you need, (laughs) you need someone to do that for (laughs) everyone to do that. Yes, you do. Yes, you
2: do. We all need it. Thank you, Erin.
3: Well, yeah, thank you all for joining us. I certainly learned a lot and really appreciate all of you being here. Will you all be my mentors? (laughs) Thank you. This was great.